Hey, Nora. Hey, Sandy. My God, it's good to hear your voice. It's good to hear you, too. What have you been up to? I've been doing summer as hard as I can. Yes. That's the only way to do summer. Yeah, yeah, because I feel like the last time we talked, we were worried about how summer was almost over, and that was a long time ago. <laughs> it was a long time ago. School, I'm I'm in law school now for all the people who are listening, and it starts in the summer, so I didn't do summer <laughs> that hard. Right. I did the books, but I'm uh, enjoying it because I'm a nerd, so, you know. <laughs> yeah, you love books. There we go. I love books. I hate rules. It's like learning about uh, the rules <laughs> uh, has been great because it helps me hate them more. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what I'm trying to say there, but I like it. I love books. That's amazing. Yeah, this is a new era because uh, lives have changed and locations have changed and we promised we'd be back and we're back. We are back. And now this is an international podcast because I'm in school in, in the United <laughs> States. And so we're only ever going to talk about Trump from now on. <laughs> Every time Sandy talks about Trump, it's not theoretical. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're not talking about Trump at all. This is still going to be a podcast about what is happening in Canada. But before we start, I want to shout out some folks that uh, that actually have been sending us some help through the Patreon because... I mean, we didn't produce anything in August, but we still had some people send us some bucks. And so thanks so much to everybody who's been continuing ongoing with their contributions and to the new folks that have given us money, which are Andy, Sean, Shauna, Diane, Duncan. Thank you all for um, for your support. And thank you for everybody whose support is ongoing because we really do rely on uh, we rely on your money to produce the podcast, really. And we really appreciate it. We most certainly do, and hopefully, I know I know we've had a few folks on Twitter at us about how my sound in particular sucked. Thank you for letting me know, everybody. Appreciate it. Now that I have moved to a different location, I have used some of the funds to get what hopefully will be a better sound set up for y'all. So I hope this sounds a little less jarring and a little bit more pleasant to the ears. And we truly do appreciate the support. So summer is a time for reflection, for relaxing, for not relaxing, moving and reading lots of books about law. (laughs) (laughs) What could we possibly come back from such R-R-N-R, relax, resting and reading, to talk about well i mean there hasn't been much going on in the canadian landscape and there's nothing happening for the rest of the year right so we're really gonna have to struggle for this one nah (laughs) i mean if your head's in the sand like mine is it's pretty sweet down here nothing has been going on (laughs) well i mean we've got this election coming up Yes, we do. The federal election is on everybody's mind, except for, I think, probably average people who don't necessarily care about politics the way that we do. <laughs> it's true. It's true. And and f- trying to figure out how to place in our minds the importance of this election, I think, is really, is really critical to help make sure that we don't dive into a pit of despair or feel super sad about the state of things because I don't know Sandy if you've been seeing it but things are not going super super well if you're on the left 
Yeah, they haven't. And I think that Nora and I thought that it might be a good idea to come back and talk first about what our political orientation should be going into an election like this. Because for all the rest of you pop culture political buffs out there, you may have watched uh, the Patriot Act with Hassan Minaj uh, that came out on Sunday, which was like a Canada episode which I had all sorts of frustrations with. But my main one was that they start off uh, the program acknowledging that Canada is a multi-party system and then go through a really shallow and sometimes wrong analysis of like mm-hmm. the political situation in Canada with a, with a focus on the liberals and, and then end with the conclusion that but... The liberal, like there's, there's like really soft criticism of the liberals, really soft criticism, uh, but mostly a lot of kind of like an enamor, enamored type fucking uh, orientation towards like Trudeau being better than whatever they've got. And then the conclusion is, uh, but, uh, you know, he is the most progressive option that is most likely to be elected, he being Justin Trudeau. And as such, hopefully they they will be better. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, what? And as much as, like, I was so frustrated by the way that, like, you, you know, like an American program can be like, well, it's a multi-party system, but we're just going to treat this like a two-party um, system in saying that, <laughs> uh, you know, this is the only option. As much as I think that that's ridiculous, I do think that that's perhaps the way a lot of people think about the Canadian elections all the time. I think a lot of people in Canada feel like it's a two-party system all the time, but it's it's not. And I think that we, if there's anything that we can do to disabuse some of our listeners of that, that thought, yes, uh, those of you who are going to vote, and I encourage you to. We can talk about that too. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, if there's anything that we can do to make you uh, truly understand like why it doesn't make sense to treat this like a two-party system and what type of orientation we should be walking into an election like this with and whether or not there's still time to uh, affect the way that things play out in the election, I want to do that. That's who I want to be for the next hour, 45 minutes. 32 what time is it <laughs> whatever we got you're the rest whatever we got whatever and you know what we we might even turn this into a, an election podcast because it seems like all the major broadcasters are doing that and so we're better than all the major broadcasters <laughs> we can compete with you global <laughs> seriously seriously i like that you started with uh talking about this episode of the patriot act because i think that the the way that Americans view Canadian politics is is very helpful, I think, for us to also understand how we view Canadian politics, because we as Canadians are so impacted by how the United States runs, number one, and then two, talks about politics, and to a lesser extent, uh, England, because, of course, our systems like are very similar. But we do have to get this two-party kind of mentality out of our head. I also want to say very shortly on that on that. Uh, on that special, um, did you see the interview that Hassan did with Trudeau? Oh, yeah, I saw the whole thing. Where uh, Trudeau said he's like a 16th Malaysian. Oh, my God. <laughs> there was. <laughs> I was like, is there a more 
Trudeau or like white man a comment than this or white person a comment than this. It was just like, it was so, oh my God. White, for those of you who didn't see it, uh, Hassan Minaj jokingly calls Justin Trudeau white panther and he's referring to Canada as what Canada in a like an, in a callback to Marvel's Black Panther it's kind of it's a ridiculous joke and and <laughs> you said joke with in like quote quotations right yeah you, you could hear my you could hear my scare quotes <laughs> over the air <laughs> so Hassan says to uh Trudeau you are white panther and and Trudeau's response was literally I'm 116th Malaysian <laughs> what the fuck and I was like, did I hear that right? I had to run it back. I was like, is that real? Did he really just, oh, no, of course he did. Of course he I We've always known who he is. <laughs> what? Oh, Lord. He's been dying to make that public, I'm sure. He was like, finally my chance. Y'all, I, too, am a person of little color. <laughs> <laughs> well, in the Ottawa circles, that means he gets invited to the Malaysian embassy's like Christmas party or something, right? Yeah, that's how Ottawa. Mm -hmm. That's how Ottawa works. Yeah, that's why we love Ottawa. Okay. Mm. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. So don't don't do that. If you're the Prime Minister of Canada, don't do that. If you're a random guy who's a white guy, don't tell us that somewhere in the back of your family you're not white because it doesn't matter. That does not matter. So back to the like reason that we are even no. talking to Justin no. Trudeau. I, I know that it's it's early for predictions, but I have made this prediction already. I suspect you share this prediction. Justin Trudeau is going to win the election. I do share that prediction. I do think that there is a chance that it could be a minority government. Uh, I think it, there's a good chance it could be a minority government. Uh, but yeah. I do think he's going to win the election. Yes. Yeah. And the reason why he's going to win gets us back into this discussion about the multi-party system that we kind of exist in. And I get that it's not a true multi-party system because winner takes all in all of the ridings. That's a huge problem. Trudeau was elected based on the promise of changing the system and he didn't change the system and he can fuck himself for that. And the reality is that we often vote in opposition to what we what we really want to vote for right we're always voting against someone which tends to torque or change or manipulate how we vote but the reason why Trudeau is going to win is because we do still live in a multi-party system because we have a conservative party with a leader who has not managed to connect with their base yet or at all I'm not sure uh, Sheer has that capacity um, I mean I actually I'm actually like I find comfort in Sheer not being like a completely evil shithead. I don't know if that's just me. I think it might just be you. Yeah. Well, I like I feel like we can breathe a little to not have to see fucking like the evil mastermind of Stephen Harper. And it's like, OK, well, there's just goofball fucking Sheer. What's he going to do? Not get elected. And so it's like, OK, sweet. <laughs> <laughs> so you got a conservative party that really it's at like 33 percent or so of its popularity right now 33 34 kind of goes back and forth that's a third of canadians who vote and that that's like kind of where the conservatives always are that's almost their floor like they can go lower obviously but we're, when things are relatively they're not in power and so people often also vote in opposition to who is in power 
that's pretty low for the conservatives. But Scheer has proven that he's not going to be able to get too much higher unless something changes dramatically between now and the middle of October, or October 21st, which is the last day that the election can be held. So you've got the on that side, on the right side of the, of the political spectrum, th- that pressure between the liberals and conservatives. And of course, the, the liberals are at 34 percent or 35 percent. Right. They're, they're very close. But that other side of the political spectrum that we exist in, that is where, uh, unfortunately, my theory is solidified. Because with, the, with no leftward pressure on the liberals and not much of a threat coming from the NDP, it's going to coalesce in the center. The results are going to coalesce in the center. And I think that the real question for me is what is going to happen to the left during this election, whether that is, we can call maybe the NDP left. I know there's a lot of debate on that and people are right to have that debate. Uh, we might as well include the Greens into that equation, even though they're not also very left either, but a lot of people who vote Green are. And then social movements. How are movements interacting with the political di- uh, discourse, with the, with the regional differences that we're seeing, uh, with really good candidates who are in some ridings in this country, but the vast majority, unfortunately, don't have many good options, let's say. Uh, or options that necessarily um, can win. So how do we orient ourselves in this election where there's a big fear about the Conservatives winning, it looks probable that the that the Liberals are going to win, and we have a very weak left? Yeah, I think that what's happening now is what often happens in a, a second-term uh, Liberal type of race, where the Liberals are relying on people being being nervous about uh, the Conservatives uh, to forget all of the bullshit that they've pulled <laughs> throughout the time that they've been in power. It's like this, you know, song and dance that just never ends. They do the same thing all the time. And uh, what I'm sure we will hear more of in the next coming weeks as the same commentaries and editorials are repeated that have been repeated before is that we need to swallow the bad taste in our mouth and vote for the liberals, hold our nose, because the conservatives would be so much worse. We have minority governments here, uh, not infrequently, but they should be minority governments more frequently. And I think that we should be thinking about who we want to hold the balance of power in a situation where there is a minority government because that's altogether possible, uh, especially with, you know, the liberal scandals, ethics stuff that has been happening. Andrew Scheer not being able to electrify his base. Uh, Maxime Bernier taking the wind out of uh, Andrew Scheer's uh, most uh, disgusting elements of his base. Um, the, the Green Party having a little bit more popularity than they typically do and the NDP really struggling, it it means that we are actually in a place where there could be um, a minority government where um, progressives are able to push things through because we hold the balance of power. And if we aren't oriented around that and instead are oriented around this fear of, well, sheer will be worse, then we will lose the opportunity to, to the make the gains that we could make in a minority government situation. Yeah, totally. Now, part of the problem, of course, is that a minority government is hard to game. I mean, it's it, there's a lot of moving parts in terms of how many ridings are in play or that close, who's going to win by this number, that that number. 
And that's, I think, the, the job where, where we need to hear the labor movement or social movements telling us, like, what are, what are we talking about in terms of the hard figures to get a minority government in or not in? Which are the writings that are not going to switch? Which are the writings that potentially could switch? And it's funny because, it, you know, in the United States, you hear a lot about flipping, fuck, I don't even know, like the house of whatever in some whatever state. <laughs> Flipping the government, right? How easy it is to, is to flip the government because there's only like there's two or three seats that could be easily flipped from from Republican to Democrat. Where is that analysis in Canada? Like, why are we not hearing that knowing that? OK, like so the NDP is very weak right now. There's really no question about that. I mean, my riding doesn't have a, a representative. My whole region doesn't have a single NDP person um, nominated yet. And whoever it's going to be is like, I'm not going to be fucking inspired by them. I can tell you that now. <laughs> like, maybe I will be. Maybe I'll be fucking surprised. I don't know. Maybe it'll be you. Maybe it'll be me. But, it, uh, but you know, I was asked to run by a party. And guess what? It was not the fucking NDP. And it wasn't the Greens. Mm-hmm. And that's all I'm going to say. <laughs> mm-hmm. The block. Uh, yeah, it was the, it was the block. Okay, the block. go on. Um, and so... Uh, <laughs> When you've got that kind of as your local local reality, it's really hard to get your mind out of the fact that out of the fact that I'm going to vote for let's say I vote for the NDP. And honestly, I'm actually not sure at this point who I am going to vote for or if I'm going to vote, I might spoil my ballot. But the um, but you're going to vote to spoil your ballot, right? Yeah. Yeah. I'm not staying home. Like, that's fucking lazy. Like, you might as well go and do something to your ballot. That's like, you know, worthy of Instagram. What? <laughs> for example, <laughs> I'm not on Instagram, everybody. I don't know what yeah, the fuck Nora, people do. Nora there. does not have Instagram. <laughs> but um, so it's hard for me to say, oh, yeah, I want to vote NDP and, and then watch them win because, of course, they're not going to fucking win. Like, obviously. And my vote would be a, 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 basically a donation of the per voter money that goes to the party if we still have that public system. I can't remember if Harper completely got rid of it or not. Whatever. The reality, though, is, is that. There are ridings where there are excellent NDP candidates running. Oh, my God. Yes, absolutely. And so the campaign that, that Matthew Green is running in Hamilton, the campaign that Leah Gazan is running in Winnipeg, um, I don't know, maybe Jagmeet's campaign in Burnaby is really inspiring. I haven't really, honestly, I kind of don't pay too much attention to BC politics, as everyone who listens to this podcast from BC fucking obviously knows. But there are... <laughs> We're so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> there are inspiring candidates that are happening. And so, yes. uh, like, for me, I actually don't really fucking care who wins this election. I mean, I care in that, mm-hmm. you know, the conservatives are going to do more damage than the liberals, but at the end of the day, both are going to do massive damage to Canadians anyway. And the NDP is not in a position that if they mm-hmm. magically became government, that would be good news for everybody. I mean, it's pretty clear that there's a lot of internal building that needs to happen within that party. Uh, or maybe they need to be replaced by a new party or something uh, to get them into a position where they could govern. And so for, 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 for the election, I, I don't feel anxiety watching the options for this election because I know that regardless of who wins, we will have to mount uh, campaigns against them, put pressure on them and fight them for better policies, for more human, more humane uh, policies. And that actually gives me a lot of uh, hope, I guess, or maybe at least cu- uh, cushions me from feeling like, deep despair about the state of Canadian politics right now. Yeah. And I, you know, and that's another one of the things is that we have to remember, we don't vote 
for a leader in this country, despite the way that all of our media talks about the elections and despite the way that we kind of understand uh, elections in a pop culture kind of way, we do not vote for leaders. We vote for people, for representatives in ridings. And the question that folks should be asking themselves in their writings, uh, where it is, especially where it is possible for these things to flip. And I don't know, maybe that's something we see if we can figure out how to get created. Um, but it is, will it be useful to have someone like Matthew Green in the house? And I say, yeah, yeah, <laughs> Fuck yeah, like that. Here's an individual who understands progressive politics and will be able to speak uh, to a number of issues um, probably in a way that will pull politics to the left in the next four years or less uh, if it is a minority government after after an election. And that's the kind of long game analysis that we should be walking into an election with. Not not like, oh, God, is it going to be Sheer? Is it going to be Trudeau? Whatever. It, it Like you don't vote for those people. Vote for the people who are in your riding and make an analysis based off who those people are who are running in your writing and whether or not they are going to be uh, good for politics as a whole. Mm -hmm. But we're also stuck in a logic. That logic is also plaguing the NDP, where so much has been put on Singh's shoulders to basically save the party. I mean, the party was not in a very good state before the leadership race. And now a lot of the problems are coming home to roost, a lot of them financial, and they are being personified by him uh, and I'm sure that there's you know some level of his own fault at play but definitely not likely even a majority of the fault if we're going to try to dish out fault right and so the 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 NDP I mean they have been stuck with this logic since Jack Layton single-handedly broke through Quebec right that was the lesson that the NDP learned was that all they needed was the right leader to break into a, a massive voting block like Quebec and win. And and so everyone is oriented towards the leader. And it's like, listen, in Quebec, we have a wonderful example of a left-wing party called Quebec Solidaire. And every one of the 10 members of their caucus, and there's only fucking 10, is extremely capable and an excellent activist or excellent politician. They're doing things that are shaking up the political system, even though they are in the vast minority. And they have a party structure around them that doesn't put the focus on the leader, that doesn't get mad if one of the members of that caucus gets all of the national attention, which is actually the case. It's neither of the two spokespeople. The most popular person has been uh, someone who is, is not a spokesperson on behalf of the party. And it's it's actually a more normal and more comfortable kind of thing to witness from a leftist perspective to see that this is a caucus of 10 people. And when this issue is up, that it's going to be that one person talking about it. And when it's another issue, it's going to be another person talking about it. And that's fine. But in the NDP, there seems to be this incredible centralization that everything has to go through central command and therefore then has to be through the spokesperson of the leader. And of course, the only time that that kind of fell apart a little bit was when they needed to have a different voice in Quebec and then appointed Alexandre Boulouris as like the fucking second leader of the NDP or whatever, which, I mean, that's a whole other bunch of problems for having done that. I mean, we can talk about the NDP has not 
done the ground game that they need in Quebec to try and get people to understand who Jagmeet is, why they should vote for him, and why he wears a religious symbol. I mean, those are all educational pieces that should have been part of the NDP's campaign since he got elected. But anyway, since he got elected leader, that's a, that's perhaps a whole other episode. But our obsession with leadership is going to be our demise. And it is why things feel so bleak right now. Because of, as you say, it's that sheer versus Trudeau fucking dance that is so boring. Mm-hmm. Fuck. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. the biggest part. Mm-hmm. That's the biggest problem is that it's so boring. Yeah. So we, we've talked a little bit about how to orient ourselves in this election. Nora, what would you say to people who say, like, there's no point in voting? In <laughs> Sorry, I just kind of, like, revealed my own thoughts um, accidentally because I can't not sigh sometimes. But what would you say to people who say, you know, like, it's it's pointless to vote, like, the system is rigged, you know, all the things that we've heard a thousand times, like the progressive the progressive um, justifications for not voting. I get it. I mean, that's, I totally get it. And I, I'm actually not opposed to people not voting. I, I get how completely abstract or futile or frustrating or whatever it can feel. Like there's two kinds of people that, that don't vote. I would say there's people who consciously refuse to vote and then there's people who are disenfranchised from voting right Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and we always should be oriented towards franchising people right having Mm -hmm. that right to vote is is i think it's the symbolic importance is bigger than the actual mechanics of going to vote because if you vote it means that you're engaged enough in what's going on in society that you are engaged enough to continue to be politically active outside of periods of elections Mm -hmm. Which is, I suspect, why you think it's important. Oh, yeah, totally. I, I like, really recognize that the system is so faulty that um, it makes sense to have, like, an orientation towards uh, voting that is, like, a uh, futility. But I, I also uh, do think that, yeah, okay, one is, is, like, the knowledge that you should have if you are franchised, as you put it. But... There's a reason why a lot of uh, conservative movements uh, in our country and around the world are focused on attempting to disenfranchise as many people as possible and refusing to franchise more people. Um, And that includes like refusing to put in place proportional representation, because regardless of the fact that it is the, the system is so rigged that it it fucking, you know, the the amount of power that is contained yeah within a vote is is minuscule it's not huge but it can have massive effects on how quickly people die for instance and for me um i you know i I saw someone once refer to it or someone in conversation with me has referred to it as like harm reduction which i think is something that people (laughs) are toying with like the idea of voting as harm reduction like it's not the, all the arguments you hear about how voting is not enough and how voting uh, can sometimes make people feel as though they've done their part and that's all they need to do. Like those arguments are correct. Absolutely. Um, voting is not enough. And you you do need to, to be politically active in multiple ways in order to truly change the system in a way that will make the system not as shitty or like f- fully cha- revolutionize a system um, such that 
you know, we're, we're not stuck in the, the same types of systems that we have been stuck in for however many years that fucking destroy people's lives. Mm-hmm. But again, you know, like the, the how quickly people die, how many people die um, or are put into poverty or get sick or um, or 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 all the things uh, and the rates at which that happened can change between um, a conservative government, a liberal government, a minority government, what have you. And those very real differences affect people who are the most disenfranchised of all. And I think it's a, a, a it, it can be a really privileged position to say that I don't care because nothing changes uh, from uh, from administration to administration. Because what that really means is perhaps you're not feeling those changes, but someone, someone is. Um, and th- that someone who is is most likely uh, some of the people who are the most marginalized, the most oppressed, and the most disenfranchised under any political administration. Yeah, and what you've just said, I've heard uh, echoed by people who then conclude with, therefore you must vote liberal. <laughs> which, which is like really frustrating because, you know, people die under a liberal administration as well. You can't just say that and then make up some shit. You have to say that and actually be informed enough to understand when you are making that argument, what you're really talking about. The Liberal Party, I'm sorry, um, has not, uh, has been over the years, and I don't know why, like in the fucking culture and the way that the media talks about it, we just can't get this right. But like, they suck. They have sucked over and over and over again have proven that they are they're willing to keep really terrible uh, conservative policies. Um, they're they're willing to um, to prop up a really terrible uh, conservative initiatives uh, and they're they're willing to continue the the same sorts of things that the conservative governments will do perhaps a little slower and with more sprinkles on top or something you know like that's what it is and so we have to be um you know more aware of what we're talking about when we're making that argument but beyond that um all of this takes a uh, political action that is more deep and more thoughtful than just voting exactly because if we're not if we're not pulling the whole political system to the left and just voting then we are contributing to the problem as well if we are not taking every avenue that we can to say uh, actually cbc that's not the way you should have covered that story that's uh fucking bullshit and we don't want you to cover a story like that again which legitimizes a um, conservative bent for example then there's no point because we're always going to end up with the same bullshit because we're just accepting it. Yeah, part of the problem, I think, is that we're very infected, um, we being uh, people who are politically active, we're very infected by partisanship and partisan... Yes. The, the, the partisan mindset being, you know, you're either for this party or you're for that party, and if you're for that party, you're for all their policies, and if you're for this party, then you're for all of their policies there, and all this is is a, is a fucking game. And if you're on the left, I mean, it's really important to be constantly reflecting on what party, do, what party have you parked your support at for now and why? 
And what would it take for you to change your support? Or are you just voting for like anybody because because you're actually doing more work outside of the of the election cycle? And so you just vote the same party every year because, you know, maybe that's the NDP. That's that's who the most left is. But at the end of the day, you know, you know that the work that you're doing outside of voting is more important. But we we have to get out of partisan logic because the vast majority of Canadians are not partisan. The vast majority of Canadians are driven by issues and they're driven by issues that are either wrapped up in their self-interest or they're wrapped up in their communities or they're wrapped up in in their day-to-day experiences. And the only way in the partisan system to deal with with reaching them is to have extremely strong local candidates. And finding strong local candidates is not hard. I mean, if you've got a mobilized and activist base of a party, you will find people very easily who are superstars, who are connected to their community, who are hard workers, and who are not necessarily careerist shitheads who just want to become the fucking prime minister, which is a a couple of too many people sometimes. But when a party like the NDP is struggling internally, the, the... the side effect is the difficulty of finding strong local candidates or we're seeing like national parties not want to nominate people and we've seen this a lot with the NDP a lot of people are coming out and saying that there's massive problems with the NDP's nomination process because people can get locally nominated but unless they pass the vetting system of their party they can't they can't get through right the, the solution to having a strong left-wing party is always in the base of that party. And it's how involved that base can be and how that base can find the best local activists to carry the banner locally. And the liberals are the ones that want us to focus on the leadership. Or not the liberals. Liberals are, are the ones that want us to focus on the leadership of a party or on the personality of someone at the expense of actually having a solid left-wing program because it's easier for them to say Trudeau's a nice guy than it is to justify why they bought a pipeline for example or it's easier to just say well all we need is is Canada's AOC and that's how we're gonna get the the (laughs) left-wing movements back and it's like no it's not gonna be Canada's AOC it's not gonna be Jack Layton reincarnate it's not gonna be fucking Trudeau's fucking son is the next prime minister although he probably will be it's 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 actually rejecting that kind of politic and saying, no, no, partisan politics in the left need to reflect where social movements are at. And if there isn't a strong connection between social movements and the partisan world, then as activists, like go and vote, but fuck partisan politics and do the work that you need to do outside of those structures in your communities through the social movement organizations that you that you respect and that you already probably work with. And that's the bigger piece. Just as you were saying that the, a strong party needs a strong base, strong social movements need strong communities and need strong people being in, involved in uh, the social movements to actually work. Because at the end of the day, like, you know, the politics is the, the, the formal politics is just one small piece of this whole big thing. And so, you know, everything that Nora just said about what needs to happen within a party needs to happen outside the party, too if we're really going to shift things in a big way in our communities. So do the voting thing or not, you know, do the, (laughs) I wish you would. Um, And do the knowing what's happening, the educating, the, the getting involved, the speaking out, all of the stuff. But most importantly, uh, do all the other organizing that needs to happen once the election is over and before the election even starts. 
when are they dropping the fucking red <laughs> jesus <laughs> this is the moment where we actually can get issues on the on on the on the radar of politicians like this is where you can crash all candidates meetings where you can push parties to make promises and like sometimes those promises mean shit but at least you have the promise to then go from for your next campaign and the liberals i mean this is what is very surprising to me is that the liberals they didn't like I'm not surprised that they're not seeing much heat from average people over SNC-Lavalin because I think that average people think that politicians are corrupt and they just are kind of like, yeah, that's part of life. Big fucking surprise. But there has been so little heat put on Trudeau by unions, by even by social movement organizations. I mean, there's some environmental organizing that's able to have said like what they're doing is bullshit. But by and large, they are getting a free fucking ride. Part of that is because the NDP is so weak and the NDP has been completely ineffective at, at calling the liberals out on their bullshit. But part of that is the responsibility and the fault of 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 unions and of fucking social movements. I mean, fuck, I saw Christian Freeland at, at Unifor's National Convention and Freeland, which and she's like she is perhaps the most annoying politicians I've ever listened to in my entire life. Oh, wow. I mean, like, you literally hear her and you want to fucking take a needle and start stabbing your face, being oh like, well, just stop it. Yeah, yeah. You've, you listen to a lot of politicians, so that's, wow. She's next level. Annoying. <laughs> like, it's, it's inc- it really is, it must be a fucking talent for them to have found someone like her. Uh, and, yeah, our negotiations with NAFTA were probably like, can someone, sh- like, stop talking and we'll let you have your fucking tariffs taken off of fucking steel. Like, it probably went like that. <laughs> Oh, God. Okay. Fuck you, Krista Freeland. Anyway, so she she talked about how the liberal order is falling apart in the Western world and how this is the greatest threat that we face, the liberal order falling apart. And Canada needs to be the, the beacon on the hill of the liberal order or some shit like this. That's what she said to a Unifor audience? Yeah, yeah. It oh. was very strange. It didn't fall. I wouldn't say that it, it, it fell upon massive applause. I think people were kind of like, what the hell? yeah no shit (laughs) and it's like and so she's like and and the reason why the liberal order is falling is because the middle class has uh, has collapsed and it's like whose fault is that christia (laughs) oh my god whose fault is that is it is it the fucking hand of donald trump that has destroyed the liberal order or is it years and years and years of austerity hidden in the guise of enlightened fucking liberalism maybe it was that actually maybe it was the cuts to the health and social transfer in canada uh, in the mid-1990s from the liberal government of jean chrétien that actually did it maybe it was that maybe you are your own fucking worst enemy although maybe she can't hear her tell herself talk maybe she's saved from that annoyance she she knows that she's in power right or did that <laughs> i just don't understand the argument if she's she knows does she, is she okay i just okay i mean Catherine mckenna just did an interview with the national observer saying that she's done everything she can for the environment and is looking forward to round two so their their smug fucking lies tell me that we have not done a good enough job getting in their faces and and yep. and, and really and really giving it to them like to say like you guys are fucking this up you're fucking that up you're fucking up electoral reform and fuck you very much for trying to be the progressive voice 
And really, that's the only fault is 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 on us because why would the liberals fucking self-flagellate? <laughs> okay, so look, that's our piece as to how we should move in, <laughs> how we should move in <laughs> the next couple weeks or few more than a couple, obviously, the next month. Wow. Month and a okay, bit. So I mean, that, October 21st is yes, coming soon. That's our piece into how you should move into my birthday, which is October 25th. So, you know, you should think about that day, too. <laughs> <laughs> um, but in the next in the next few weeks, we'll also be talking about different things that have to do with the election and perhaps other things as well. But, you know, I, I, I think that something to think about on today of all days um, before we get into next week's podcast or whatever is labor's role and how important labor is and labor what it should be going into an election so happy false labor day whoa (laughs) whoa and and having nothing to do with any of this folks so we are back there is going to be a live show announcement for toronto coming up Mm -hmm. don't have those details yet well we have the details but we're not going to announce them yet Mm-hmm. I'll be in town soon. So Sandy's going to come back. And if you are interested in doing a live show, the new reality for Sandy and Nora is our live shows have to be on weekends. That's the only limit. So get in touch with us and we can see what's possible. Okay, bye, Nora. <laughs> <laughs> We're not going to add that. That's, it could be a new thing. No? Okay. <laughs>